This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. All seven of these churches have a call, and it's a call to live a lifestyle of overcoming. And if you want to find the secret of what overcoming is, overcoming sin in your life, overcoming the power of your flesh, overcoming the attacks of Satan and the world that we live in, then I want to challenge you today. Lean in, take notes, because today I'm going to unpack for you the secrets and the keys of how to overcome. In John, if you will, take your Bibles and look with me or your outlines. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Say that. I have overcome the world and you will have my peace if you overcome. Here, Jesus is saying to you and I that if we will learn the secret, if we will learn how to overcome, man, we will walk in peace. Boy, so many believers right now need to hear this message because they're living in chaos. They're living with fear and doubt. They're living with their lives all in an uproar and in shambles and and, and their grip with so many doubts and, and, and so many things that are weighing heavy on them that if they would learn the keys to overcoming, they would walk in peace in their life. Maybe today after this message, there's somebody that you know needs this word. I wanna encourage you. If you can think of somebody as I'm sharing it, after the message, I want you to share it with them. Send it to them. Uh, send them a link to it because I'm believing God has given me a powerful word for the church today. We're given a call to overcome. Let me unpack what that word means first of all. This word overcome depicts the idea that there is a victor, there is a a champion, that one has, in a sense, uh, gained superiority over another. Now, for those of you that are in South Florida, we have just seen the LA Lakers become the victors and the champions over the Miami Heat. Ooh, I know, we're so sad. They they, they dominated us. They were victors. They were champions over us. We were rooting for them and we were hoping for this big comeback, but they didn't. Well, that's the idea of one that is an overcomer. They're victorious. And Jesus calls you and I, to be victors, to be victorious, to be champions. I mean, it literally has this idea to be a a conqueror, one that conquers something in their life. Now, I don't wanna rewind the seven churches, but Jesus is saying that you are going to be an overcomer and you're gonna be an overcomer in these areas where he challenged them in their compromise, if you can overcome compromise in their areas of complacency, if, if you can overcome it in the areas of cultural pressure. Remember, they were living in the enemy's territory. If you'll overcome cultural pressure, he says, if you can conquer that in your life, then there are some things that'll be released to you. 
to another church, he said, if you can overcome in the area of lust, your flesh, the, the, the morality of culture around you, if you don't let it squeeze you into its mold and you overcome, there is a crown, there is righteousness, there is a, a gift for you. And so there's this idea that you are conquering, that you're overcoming. Now, my prayer today is if you have an area in your life, where right now, wherever you're at, if, if you know that there is something that you've got to conquer, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's something in a relationship, I'm just praying that in the name of Jesus today, you will be an overcomer. Type it in the box. I will be an overcomer. Come on, right now. Let me hear an amen through the chat lines. I will be an overcomer. Because when we learn to overcome, man, there is such a joy and a peace that we already read about. There is an empowerment Empowerment that comes as we are overcomers. Now, this word, let me tell you, this word has this idea that it's not a one-time event or experience, but it's an ongoing victory. It's an ongoing, uh, uh, if it would be conquering in your life, that you're overcoming the enemy, you're overcoming circumstances in your life. When we realize that there is this kind of power and strength, it will change how we live our lives. I've learned, and man, this series has just highlighted it more and more for me, that there are so many in the church, so many maybe right now that are watching that you're not living an overcoming life. I mean, you look around Christendom and what you see is you see believers who are weak, they're timid, they're, 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 they're living in fear and doubt and, 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 and unforgiveness and so many things that holds them bondage and in captivity. They're not overcoming in their life. And my prayer today is that you will break through and be an overcomer because there is this call to be an overcomer. But the reality is it's a personal call. This isn't just for your neighbor. It's a personal challenge to you and I that we will be overcomers. You know, you can't do it for your neighbor. Your parents can't do it for you. Your spouse can't do it for you. They can pray for you. They can believe and pray that the God of this world is being bound, that that which has blinded us and, 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 and hindering us, that that, that will, will be removed, the veil will be removed, and that we will be victorious in our life. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. It's my choice. We determine if we are going to be overcomers in our life. So right now, right now, before I even begin to tell you the keys that leads to an overcoming life, I want you to determine I will be an overcomer. Let's say it, type it in. Let's say it together in the room. I will be an overcomer. Because when you do, when you determine to do that and you take hold of it, I believe that you can be victorious and you can walk in the fullness of what God has for you. I mean, we see it in scripture. Jesus talks about being an overcomer. Matthew 16, verse eight. You are Peter. You're the rock. You're a stone. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is saying to Peter, you're going to be an overcomer and the gates of hell, the enemy himself can't stop you. Can you receive that in Jesus name? Jesus talks about it. 
The apostle Paul talked about it. Romans 8, 37. Know in all, uh, knowing all these things, look here, underline it. We are what? More than conquerors. Say it, more than conquerors. Write it down. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved us. The apostle Paul talks about it. In Revelation, it talks about it. Revelation 12 and verse 11 they defeated him, or they overcame. They overcame in the blood of the lamb and in their testimony, for they did not love their lives, but laid them down for him. I mean, here in Revelation, we're seeing that there was such an identification with Christ that they prevail, that, that they're overcoming, and, 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 and it's something that they take hold of. You see, you can be an overcomer and you can declare it, but when you're living it, when you take hold of it, when it's in your hand, it's something totally different. When your faith gets a hold of something and you're holding on to it and you're living it and walking it and, and every part of your life is overcoming to the place, like we said a few minutes ago in, in, in Matthew 16, that you now have his peace because you're an overcoming, I'm an overcomer. I'm telling you, that changes your life. Here in Revelation, what I just read, they overcame. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by their testimony, and by not living their lives for themselves, but for the Lord. Now, there's so much that could be unpacked there. That's a powerful theological verse. But what I've decided to do, instead of just taking that verse and unpacking it, I want to jump right in because I really want to try to illustrate today and, and help you to understand how do you overcome? How do you overcome? Now, remember, what I'm doing is I'm looking at the seven churches, and in every church, there was a statement to the one who overcomes, you will receive this promise. So I've taken those promises, and I've put them into action steps that if we do this, there's a promise that comes to us. You understand what I'm, I'm doing today? So you can go ahead, if you want, and turn over to the book of Revelation, because in the book of Revelation, I'm gonna take a few minutes, and, and as we walk through these promises, we're gonna look at the keys to being an overcomer. There's a call to be an overcomer. And man, I'm so passionate about this message today. I wish, I wish I could actually spin into another sermon series and preach for the next five or six weeks on how to be an overcomer because each one of these is a powerful sermon in itself. But I just want to lay it out to you and I'm praying that the Spirit of God's going to nudge it into your spirit and it'll give you what you need to walk in the victory that God wants you to walk in. Can I just hear an amen? right now. I mean, give me, if you're on the, uh, you know, you're on a, a social site right now, give me a thumbs up, 100 something, because I'm believing that there is something God wants to release to you today. So first of all, how do we overcome? Well, in Revelation 2.7, let me read that to you. Revelation 2.7, it says, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Revelation 2.7, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Here it's talking about the tree of life. 
Now you may remember that the tree of life was in the garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve were given the right to eat from it by the Lord himself until they violated the commands of the Lord. They lost then when they did the right to eat from the tree of life. Now, I don't want to go deep into this, but if you do a study, you'll see, and it says it right here, the tree of life now has been moved to the paradise of God. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul says in chapter 12, verses two to four, that the tree of life is there. In fact, in Revelations, it'll speak that along the river that flows from the throne of God will be trees of life that they will eat from, we will eat from, and the leaves will be unto healing for you and I. So all through scripture, the tree of life was symbolic of eternal life. And so if I'm going to give you the first key to living an overcoming life, you got to understand it's coming out of this tree of life that's now moved to the paradise of God that will be symbolic of eternal life that you and I have. So how do I overcome? Well, very, very practically, let me just say that you and I have got to keep an eternal perspective. You and I have got to keep our eyes on eternity. It's so easy to look at the here and now, the circumstances, the situations, the problems, and, and, and the things of life in the here and now, and forget about eternity. Probably more than ever in the last eight months, I've heard more preachers than maybe in the last 20 years talk about eternity. Talk about heaven and hell and the reality of why. It's because what we've been going through and you've got to get back to the place. Hear me, Christian Life Center. We've got to get back to the place where we put our eyes on eternity. That we begin to understand that there's a life after this life. This life is preparation for the next life. What we do now is preparing us for a life to come. And Jesus is telling you and I is to the overcomer they will eat from the tree of life. Now, what I learned a long time ago is how I live my life now. What I do now determines my forever. What, what eternity is going to look like. What do I mean? Well, what I mean is eternity goes on and on and on and on. I like to say it this way. Eternity is like the oceans of the world. The oceans around our world right now. That is eternity when we think about the oceans and your life is a drop of water. It's a drop of water in the oceans of the world. Eternity will go on and on and on. You and I are driven by time. We're, 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 we're in our minds. We, we're limited. But in God's perspective, there is no limitation and eternity has no timeline to it. It goes on and on and on again. So here, what I want you to see, what I want you to see in this is that we've got to keep our eyes on eternity. And so how I live my life now impacts my forever, my eternity. Look at 1 Corinthians 5.10. 1 Corinthians 5.10, I think it's on the screen here, if you will, or in your outlines. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. So here I'm learning 
that if I keep my eyes on eternity, I've got to understand that Satan is waging a war against my forever. He's waging a war. We're in a spiritual battle and he's fighting. He's fighting you and I knowing. In fact, Romans, uh, Revelations chapter 12 and verse uh, uh, 12 says that the enemy's anger is increasing. Why? Because he knows that his time has come to an end, that he has little time left. So if we're going to overcome, and if we overcome now, then the reality is you and I will be safe for all of eternity in the presence of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? So here in these few moments right now, I just want you to grab this with me. I want you to grab with me the, the reality that we must keep our eyes with an eternal perspective on eternity. Everything in the here and now, everything that's here around us is temporary, but God's gone to prepare a place for you and me. When you become a Christ follower, when you give your life to Christ, you know what happens is God is preparing a place for you to be in eternity with him and you will be there with him for, for forever and ever and ever and ever. And therefore, I've got to focus all of my energy, all of my focus, all of my priority on what will last for eternity. So how do I overcome? Let me break it down again is if I will keep my eyes on eternity, then what happens is I can begin, I can begin to walk in victory in the here and the now because I know that there is so much more that is yet to come. Let me read a couple scriptures uh, to you here. Colossians 3, 2. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about the things down here. Why? It's because there is such a higher perspective. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Let heaven be your perspective. Let heaven fill your, spot, your, your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about the things down here. Look at the next verse I have in your outline. Philippians 3.14. I run towards the goal so that I can win the prize of being called to heaven. This is the prize that God offers because of what Christ Jesus has done. Paul is saying in Philippians, I'm running my race. I'm running towards the goal. I'm running towards the prize that's before me. And that prize for you and I is heaven. Now don't forget, this is not heaven. Here on earth, we're not living in paradise yet. And because we live in a fallen world, there's pain, there's suffering, there's sin. There's so much that, that is not God's plan for you and I. And when I, have to, when I have to walk through times of pain and suffering, it's good to be reminded that this isn't the end. This isn't eternity. I've got to keep my eyes on eternity. Keep my eyes with an eternal Perspective. So how do you overcome? Well, you overcome by, first of all, keeping your eyes focused on eternity. Secondly, you've got to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. What does that mean, submit? Well, that means that you yield your heart to God. Now, as I was writing and, 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 and reflecting on this sermon I asked myself, well, what does it mean to yield yourself to God? 
If it means submit to God, I've got to yield to God, what does that mean? Well, I then begin to think, what, what does it mean in my life? Well, for me, yielding to God, submitting to God means that my heart is inclined to always lean in God's direction. That I know God so well, that I know God's ways, I know and understand his personality, I, under, I understand how the spirit works, I understand his character, I understand what he's done before and what he wants to do again. When I understand that, then I always am leaning towards God. I'm leaning towards God's direction and I'm yielding and submitting unto God's plans and God's purposes. Let me read it to you in Revelation. In Revelation, the promise, the promise is that we're going to escape the second death. We're gonna escape it. In Revelation chapter two and verse 10, he says, be faithful. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. So when I submit, when I yield, when I'm leaning towards God's heart, it's saying to me that I am protecting myself from the second death. Now, there's a big theological uh, uh, talk about that and an understanding. I don't really want to get into that today. But the question that we will all have to answer in our life, this is the question that every single one of us are going to have to answer. And that is, am I going to be a disciple? Am I going to be a follower of Christ who gives everything to the Lord? You see, the secret, the secret to overcoming is in a word, and that word is lordship. See, the question is, who's the Lord of your life? Who's the Lord of your heart? See, the battle is always for the heart. Are you the Lord of your heart? Are you the Lord of your life? Is Satan and, 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 and the work of the enemy the Lord? The battle is for your heart. Who's going to be the Lord of your life? You see, the secret to overcoming is submitting, is acknowledging that Christ is Lord of all areas of my life, of every room in my heart. If you ever go with us on an encounter, we'll show you a video. And in that video, it's a video of a young man that has surrendered everything to the Lord. And, and there, he's walking through the house and he's saying, Lord, I've given you this and I've given you that and I've given you that. And yet there's this one little closet that he hasn't surrendered to the Lord. That, that one little closet represents habits in our life, addictions, those things that we enjoy. It's the things that we know we oughtn't be doing because it's displeasing to God, and yet we still do it. You see, it's those areas that God wants us to surrender to him. It really comes down to the priorities of my life. Is my focus on Christ? Or is my focus on my own selfish desires and what I want, what I want to do? You see, if you're yielded to God, you're surrendered to God, you're surrendering to him and you're submitting everything to him. And as you do, the Holy Spirit begins to do a work in our life and he begins to work on our character. It's like the carpenter who goes to work in the wood shop or the potter that takes the clay and begins to work. That's what the Holy Spirit does when you yield, 
when you submit, when you surrender everything within you and you say, God, I'm yours, Lord. Everything I am, everything I've got, everything I'm not, I give it to you, oh God. When you do that, the potter goes to work. The Holy Spirit begins to work in our life. He begins to work on our character and he, he begins to mold us and form us and fashion us. You see, the thing I learned a long time ago is your character will determine your usefulness. If you wanna be used by God, then you've gotta work on your character. Your character is something that's got to reflect the image of Christ. There's no excuses for cracks in our character. Boy, the greatest prayer that you could pray is, God, show me in my life character flaws. Show me weaknesses, oh God. I wanna be used by you, but you're not gonna be used by God by accident. It's something you've got to be intentional about and your character's got to be able to hold the gifts of what God's gonna do in your life. You begin to get rid of the old man, the carnal man, the old self, and you begin to let the spirit come in and he brings new behaviors in your life. He begins to bring conviction into your life. He begins to do a new work in your life. Now, I don't know if you're in a life group right now or not, some of you get into chat boxes uh, after uh, the, the service, or maybe you're with a group right now. But my challenge to you, maybe even in the chat box, where is the Holy Spirit working in your life right now? Be vulnerable, be open. Maybe you can even in the chat box say, he's working in this area of my life. Where is he working? Where is he wanting to work? You see what I'm saying to you? is that if you will yield, if you will surrender, the promise and revelation is that he will give you the crown of life. There's a crown that will be given to you. It's the victor's crown that will be given to you as you overcome. Can I hear just an amen right now? So how do we overcome? Well, we overcome by keeping an eye on eternity, keeping our, our, our eternal perspective. We overcome by yielding and surrendering to the Lord. And thirdly, we overcome by spending time with the master. Spending time with the master. See, in verse 17, there's a promise. And the promise in verse 17 is a promise of spiritual nourishment. See, you're gonna get what you need as you spend time with the master. Now, don't tune me out right now. As simple as this is, the majority of you that are watching right now, you're not doing it in your life. Revelation 2.17, to him who overcomes, I will give him what? Hidden manna. There's hidden manna for you. I will also give him the white stone with a new name on it, known only to him and him who receives it. See, the key to, to, to overcoming in your life is spending time with Christ. I love how the New Testament writers write about it as they said that they were in Christ. When you're in Christ, when you're in Christ, you're gonna overcome. When you're in Christ, you're gonna hear the voice of the Lord. When you're in Christ, what's happening is that you're gonna begin to be given direction and, and guidance in your life. It's like being attached and connected to the vine. Jesus gives us that, that analogy and that metaphor of the vine that's 
attached. If it's not attached, it may look like it's attached, but if it's not truly attached, it doesn't have life. It doesn't have the strength that it, that, 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 that it gets when it's attached to the vine. This is called abiding in Christ, relying on the Lord, abiding in him, and to live victorious means that I'm going to be connected. I'm going to be abiding. And as I am, there's hidden manna from heaven that'll be constantly released to you and I, which is a spiritual nourishment that will give us strength through the adversities of life. What I saw and learned early in my life physically is that a branch can look like it's attached. It can look like it's a part of the tree, but when in reality, it's not truly connected to the vine. And if it's not, it's not getting its nourishment and therefore it is actually dead. As a young teenager, I was climbing a tree. I've told the story before. And as I was climbing the tree, I was climbing to get on a three-story uh, roof to get a glove that I had seen on the roof at the baseball fields. And as I was climbing up the tree, I grabbed the next branch. But what I didn't know is that branch was actually dead. And as I grabbed the branch, I pulled my own. And as I pulled down to pull up on that branch, it broke and I went stumbling down to the ground. It looked like it was attached, but it wasn't truly attached and therefore it was dead. The reality, the reality in this analogy for you and I is we've got to be attached to the vine. Man, if I'm going to be attached to the vine, if I'm going to learn to abide in Christ, I have found in my own personal devotions that it requires me to shut out all the distractions Whenever I'm going to spend time with God, I've, I've got to shut out all these distractions in that portion of my day when I'm spending time with the Lord. You see, you can't be attached. You can't abide if you don't have a regular, I'm going to even say a daily devotional life. Some people call it a quiet time. Why is it vital? Is because it gives me fellowship with God. Why is it vital? It's because when I'm having a quiet time, when I'm spending time with the master, it directs me, it guides me, it helps me in my decisions. It enables me to bring my needs to God. And boy, as that happens, God is now developing something within me that's the byproduct of spending time with the master. The two greatest things that will enable you to overcome in your life is a daily quiet time, and you've got to make it a top priority, and staying in the Word. And that staying in the Word is a part of that daily quiet time. You know, let me just give you some practical things, and I know you know it, but Paul used to write in the New Testament, I know you know it, but I want to say it again. Why am I going to say it again? And why I'm going to give you these practical things is because what I know, what I know is that if you're not having a quiet time and if you're not living in the word and abiding in the word, you're not gonna be an overcomer in your life. So to have a, an effective quiet time, an effective uh, a time of abiding with Christ, you've gotta determine what is the best time for you. For many of you, it might be early in the morning. For some of you, it might be during the day when the kids are off to school. Maybe not right now because they're homeschooled, but when they get off to school or maybe in the evening, you've got to pick a time and it's got to be consistent. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to decide today. 
Decide today when you're going to have your quiet time. Maybe in the chat box, you wanna just go ahead and let everybody know, my quiet time is at, and you put the time, or you, 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 you mark in the afternoon or in the evening, my quiet time will be blank every single day. You've got to determine. You've got to determine when you're gonna do it. You've got to determine where you're going to do it. Find a place in your house. Maybe it's at the kitchen table. Maybe it's in your office. Maybe it's in a literal prayer closet. You've got to determine where you're going to do your quiet time. Why? It's because you'll become much more successful in living out what God wants you to do. In fact, another key is you've got to determine what you will do in your quiet time. What's the devotion you're gonna read through? What's the systematic plan of reading through the Bible? Get yourself a little notebook that you can write down some notes or you can journal the, the things that God is saying to you. We have a, a little acronym that we use, SOAP, S-O-A-P, that helps you when you're doing your devotion. Scripture, the S, observation, application. How does it apply to my life? and then pray on it. Begin to ask the Lord to do in you what you've been reading. You see, you gotta focus. You gotta focus on the Lord. You gotta spend time with him. If you're gonna overcome, hear me, church. I know you know it, but I've gotta challenge us to it. We've gotta live it in our life. Be persistent, be persistent until you're consistent. Be persistent, be persistent until you are consistent. It's vital, it's vital for you and I to being an overcomer. In fact, let me challenge you to do one more thing. Let me challenge you to get an accountability partner. Now, I encourage you not, not to pick your spouse. Pick somebody else that can ask you, did you do your devotions today? How was your devotions today? What did the Lord say to you in your devotions today? Get somebody that will challenge you, will ask you. I'm serious. Take it, take it seriously in your life and say to somebody, I've got to grow in this life. I've got to grow in this manner. I've got to grow in this area. You see, you'll be an overcomer. Don't tune me out. You're not walking in peace. You're not walking in victory. You're not walking in the blessings and the fruit of what God has because you're not abiding in the vine. When you abide in the vine, you get strength and power and that strength and power will help you to overcome. I've got two more I wanna share with you and I know time has slipped away and I hope you won't turn away just yet. I wanna share with you two final, two final thoughts that'll help you to be an overcomer. The next thought is that you've got to learn to put on the spiritual armor of God. You see, I said earlier, we're in a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual warfare. It's a battle for your soul. It's a battle for your peace. Jesus is declaring to you and I, I came to give you life and I came to give it to you more abundantly. But the enemy of your soul, he's out to kill steal and destroy. Kill what? He's out to kill the, the joy and the peace of God. He's out to steal the, the salvation, the helmet that God has given to you, the helmet of salvation. The enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy your faith. And boy, through the last eight months through COVID, 
for many of you in this isolation. Oh yeah, you rested your bodies, but let's be honest. Spiritually, it's been a battle for you. And I'm challenging today to realize it is a spiritual battle and the enemy's out to kill, steal, and destroy. But you've got to determine that there's a warrior in the spirit that's rising up and there's a spiritual battle and you're going to win that battle. But to win the battle, you got to get dressed for battle. See, a soldier would never go out to battle in biblical days. And the Roman, Paul would have been writing this in prison. He would have been writing in prison and he would have been chained to a Roman soldier. And as he was chained to that soldier, he would have been looking at all of the pieces of armor that that soldier had, the helmet, the breastplate, the sword, the spirit, the sword of the spirit, the sword, the, the, the boots that, that he would have been wearing. I mean, he's walking through all of the armor that the soldier would have had. And he is reminded and he's telling you and I, it's one of the greatest things of helping you be an overcomer is that you have got to put on your spiritual armor. I don't have time to walk through it, but in Ephesians chapter six and verse 10, it talks about Ephesians 6:10, the armor of God, and that we are in a spiritual battle. It reminds me of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles. One of my favorite stories, Jehoshaphat. In verse 20, Jehoshaphat is surrounded by enemies. Three different kings and their armies were coming against Jehoshaphat and the nation of Israel. And Jehoshaphat calls for a corporate time of prayer and fasting. Can I tell you that there is an anointing when corporately we pray and fast together? And Jehoshaphat calls for a time of prayer and, and fasting. And then he comes back the next day. And in verse 15, Jehoshaphat says from the Lord a message. And the message from God was the battle is not yours, but it's his. You see, when you get dressed in your armor, when you understand what it is to be an overcomer, the Lord begins to say, this battle is not yours, but this battle is mine, that you will not have to fight this battle. You'll take up positions and you'll stand firm, but deliverance is coming from the Lord because the battle is not yours. Well, the next day, Jehoshaphat and the army begins the march. In fact, they put the choir and the worship team out there. You see, there's power in worship. That's why tonight, I hope you're going to be with us. There is power in worship. There's an anointing when the people of God worship God and they lift their voices, they lift their hands and they pray unto God. And Jehoshaphat puts the choir and they're leading them in the battle. Doesn't seem like a normal battle plan. But as they go to the battlefield, what they found was that the three armies had annihilated each other. And Israel walked out and just began to pick up the spoils that was there. See, the reality for you and I is we can overcome. You can overcome. You've been struggling. You've been, you've been suffering. You've been, you've been giving in. But the reality is you have been created to be an overcomer. But you got to put on your armor. You got to begin to live out these principles. It doesn't happen just automatically. Why is the church weak? Why is it not walking in strength? It's because they're not walking in the power that comes through the Lord. Another principle I want to give to you in these final moments is that we've got to walk 
in obedience. When you walk in obedience, what happens is the principles of God, the word of God, the commands and the promises of God get activated over your life. See, you can't live in a lifestyle of sin. You can't live by just breaking and, and, and disobeying and rebelling against God and believe that God's going to release blessings in your life and that you'll be an overcomer. It doesn't work that way. You and I are called. We're called to walk in obedience. Let me read a scripture to you. 1 John 5, 3, this is the love. This is love for God. Underline it. This is love for God. What is it? To obey his commands. So what is love for God is obedience to his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. See, I talked earlier about submitting and yielding to God. Submission deals with my attitude. But obedience deals with my actions. You see, I can see the fruit. You can see the fruit in my life by my actions. It's not judging the fruit of my life reveals it. Our obedience is proof that Christ is Lord of our lives. A number of years ago, Candy and I were tested in this area of our life. It was 2006. 2006, we came back to America. We had been missionaries in Europe at that time for 12 years, 13 years. We came back to America to itinerate, to raise funds for about two and a half months, about 10 weeks. And in those 10 weeks, we went to church after church after church. And what I saw is I saw an apathetic church. I saw a church. Now, now this would have been not one church. I mean, we probably would have been in those 10 weeks. We probably together, my wife and I, we probably were in about 80 churches. She was preaching every weekend in a church. I was preaching in weekends on a church. Every Wednesday she was in a church. I was in a church. We were probably about 80 churches in those 10 weeks. What we saw was a people that lacked power, a people that lacked passion, people that saw very little evidence of the work of God in their life. In fact, we would show a video of what God was doing in Vienna and Europe, and they would come to us and they would say, man, how can we get that here? How can, how can we really see God do that here? Man, what I saw was, I really saw a church that the body of Christ that wasn't walking in the fullness of Christ. And in 2006, the Lord spoke to my heart. And the Lord said, I want you to come back to America. The Lord really spoke to me and he says, I've taken you overseas to learn how to reach the nations. And the nations that are coming into America, I want you to come back and I want you to be a part of a revival and an awakening and that which I want to do here in America. Now, at that time, I wasn't quite sure what God was saying. I came to Christian Life Center for a missions service. As I was here in the mission service, it was such an overwhelming sense of the Lord that was saying, I'm gonna be calling you back here. I'm gonna be bringing you back. At that point, I was still translating it. It was going to be America. I hadn't translated it. It would ever be Christian Life Center itself. And we went back 
We were in the middle of a multi-million dollar building program in Europe, which is just unheard of. So we were busy doing the work of the Lord, but I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. I mean, I, I, I just I couldn't shake it that the Lord was calling me back to America. Time went on and I, I just couldn't shake it. I began to pray more and more about it. And the Lord was so clear that your time here is coming to an end. I knew it. Now, the problem is I didn't want to accept it. I didn't want to receive it. But all of a sudden, I began to have a joy and I began to dream about what I could see God doing. And, and there was such an overwhelming sense that this is what God wanted. You see, what I'm telling you is that God wants, God wants to do a work in your life. And as I began to pray about that, the Lord began to put the burden stronger and stronger. But we wrestled with it. We didn't want to leave Europe. We didn't want to leave Vienna. I mean, it was in the midst of revival and it was growing. We were, we were seeing incredible things and, and miracles and an outpouring of God. We built a multi, multi-million dollar building. We went to several campus and several services there in Vienna, which had not ever happened really like it ever had before in Europe like that. It was something that was powerful. And yet we knew God was laying something on our hearts. And as I flew in to Fort Lauderdale, I've told the story. In fact, a couple of the young ladies in our congregation took that vision for me and put it in a couple diagram pictures or what do you call it? Pictures for me. As I grew, flew into Fort Lauderdale to come and meet with the board here at Christian Life Center, I looked out over the city as I looked out over the city, I saw the lights of the city. And those lights, I don't know if you can see that well, but the lights of the city, the Lord began to really lay it on my heart that I want, I want my glory to shine across this land. I want my glory to shine like these lights are shining. As you see the city here, this is Fort Lauderdale. I looked across the city and I just began to pray, God, how can we be a lighthouse? So many people, so much. What would you have us to do? And God began to drop into our heart what he wanted to do. And boy, we started running at it. It's been over 11 years ago now, almost, I'm sorry, over nine years ago, almost 10 years now, that we arrived here in Fort Lauderdale. And man, we began just to believe, believe for what God wanted to do. But can I tell you, it comes back to what I've been talking about today, living and overcoming life. The question I have for you is, have you made him the Lord of your life? Have you surrendered everything to him? Are you abiding with the master? Are you being obedient to him? Are you, are you putting on the armor of God? Because there's a battle. There's a battle that we got to fight. You see, he's called us to be overcomers. The disciples were given a command and they obeyed. And when they obeyed, the Lord began to empower them. And as they were empowered, they were able to do great things for the Lord. That's what God wants to do through you and me. You see, the last thing to overcoming is there's a divine mission for us. We'll be overcomers. We'll be dressed in white, verse five says to, of chapter three, that, that our names will be in the book of life, that we will be acknowledged by him. 
there's a mission to take that message of hope everywhere to everyone. I hope you can see the pattern of what I've been talking about today. To be an overcomer is going to require you and I to yield and surrender. It's going to require that he works in our character and he forms us into the likeness of Christ. That he develops us, he prepares us, he molds us, he shapes us, he equips us. We put on an armor, we walk in obedience and we move into our mission. You have a mission. You've been called to be a messenger of hope. We as a church, one of the greatest scriptures in the book of Acts is they, the disciples and the followers of Christ, turn the world upside down. See, when you and I move in mission, when we walk in unity, when we understand what it means to be an overcoming believer in church, the power of God is released. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.